first, the life chances of someone coming out of like the 60621 zip code, they don't look like where I'm at today. And that's unfortunate. So that also says that your zip code does not define your destiny. And so because, as I mentioned, I've been afforded these great opportunities, uh, the further that I climb, I have to bring others with me because we're only as strong as is our weakest link. Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. We're glad you found us. For those joining us again, welcome back, and thanks as always for listening. All of this is possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners, including Evolve Her and our podcast home, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs, innovation, and technology. And I'm Becky Carroll. I'm president and CEO of C-Strategies, and I'm also your host. On previous episodes of the broadcast, we've talked to candidates, elected officials, political reporters, and other civic stakeholders. And today I'm joined by Nicole Johnson, a candidate currently running for Alderwoman of the the 20th Ward here in Chicago, and someone who I met completely by chance at a coffee shop when we happened to sit down next to one another and struck up a conversation. And uh, I'm so impressed with her and the fact that she, you know, raised her hand to run for office. And I wanted to have her on the show and give her a chance to share her story with others. Um, So many women, and especially women of color, have taken the leap to put it all out there and run for office in the wake of Trump. I wish I could recognize each one of them by having them on the show, but today we're going to feature Nicole. So, Nicole, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm super excited, and we spent a lot of time talking before we we hit the record button, so let's keep it going. So before we get talking about your candidacy, let's talk about your background. Like, Mm -hmm. where'd you grow up, and what were you doing before you became a candidate for Alderwoman? Yeah, so I grew up in the Inglewood community on the south side, born and raised there. My grandmother purchased to home a Greystone in the 70s and we moved there in 96. I'm a proud Chicago Public School graduate. Mm-hmm. That's a badge I wear proudly. I went to Beasley and Whitney Young and I went on to study at the University of Michigan political science. And as I decided on what my major would be, I thought about what were areas in my life that benefited me the most and it was always school and having a quality education. And the fact that I could make this decision at the university was even, you know, even a greater testament to that. And so I wanted to pursue a career in public service that would allow me to give back and, you know, really be hands on um, and do the most good for people because I felt that what I had earned wasn't for me to keep, but I had to share it with other people and improve Mm -hmm. their lives. Wow. Well, that is, I think what inspires all the conversations I have with a lot of women who've raised their hand. It really gets back to kind of like, I feel like I I need to do something mm-hmm. and give back and try to make life better for folks that still haven't been as fortunate to, and you've had to work very hard for where you're at, but, you know, not everyone always comes back to, to, to you know, do that kind of work back in their community. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of my friends there in L.A., making all the money, mm-hmm. they're on Wall Street, and they're like, why are you still home? I'm like, I got work to do. That's right. Well, you're going to gonna pioneer it back here in yep. Chicago. So I've read that your mantra is based on your third grade teacher saying, lifting as I climb, which gets to what we were just talking about. So 
talk about that and how that's impacted your life. Yeah, I think for me being able to first the life chances of someone coming out of like the 60621 zip code, they don't look like where I'm at today. And that's unfortunate. So that also says that your zip code does not define your destiny. And so because, as I mentioned, I've been afforded these great opportunities, uh, the further that I climb, I have to bring others with me because we're only as strong as is our weakest link. And if I have to, every night I go back home to really crappy roads, vacant lots full of garbage, where our campaign offices, they don't have internet access, then, you know, as I continue to grow, it is, you know, incumbent for us all to, in order for us to all move forward, we I have to um, bring others with me. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where it is. And also keeps the journey very humble too, um, because I always come back home to these same circumstances. And until home doesn't, you know, looks better for everybody, then, you know, I still have work to do. Well, are there any folks in particular that lifted you up that you felt like throughout your life that you kind of, you think about as you're on this new journey? Absolutely. So just last Thursday, my sixth grade teacher was in the office stuffing <laughs> envelopes. <laughs> Um, sending out my thank you cards to donors. Lauren Underwood, who's my sorority sister, we both, Get out. <laughs> yeah, we we pledged in the same chapter at Michigan, um, Alpha Kappa Alpha, and she actually nominated me for my first candidate training. And so it was like a, a women's training. They mm-hmm. flew us all down to Tampa in March. It was beautiful. And she, I saw that on your Facebook. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> her, uh, Maddie Hunter, have been very instrumental. Oh, and, Maddie, she's my girl, too. I love yeah. her. <laughs> um, so just all these different women have, you know, poured into me different ways to say, to, to affirm me. I, I never forget, this was before uh, Lauren had um, come back to the area to run and we were in her studio apartment in DC and she was like, you know, Nicole, you always do what you said you're gonna do. And I was like, do I really? <laughs> so just those affirmations from people like her keep me going and, and keep me on the right track. Oh, we need them, especially when you're two weeks out from an election and feel Literally. like you're gonna die. Yes. <laughs> So we've heard uh, a lot of great stories from past broadcast guests um, who have run like Marie Newman and Mm -hmm. Sol Flores and Kelly Majewski on why they decided to run for office. And everyone has a pretty unique story to tell. So what was it that made you want to take the leap? Was it a series of things? You just wake up one day and say, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I mentioned the education, but it was it was uh, one moment. I was a senior in college. This was December 23rd, 2011. And I uh, was home for break the following semester, which was my last semester. I was planning to intern at the Center for American Progress in D.C., participate in the Michigan and Washington program. And so two days before Christmas, I was walking to the corner store and before I left the house, my mom asked me to walk my the dog, my uncle's dog. We were dog sitting. And, you know, I walk in outside and head into the store. And had it been not for her conversation that held me up, I would have been caught in Gruncos fire. A man gets out Oof. of a car. He starts shooting aimlessly into a church's chicken, killing two people and wounding four people. And so 
you know, that sat with me. Actually, it didn't really hit me until probably about three years ago where I kind of sat with that situation and realized because there have been other incidents where it could have been me. Um, my car, you know, was sideswiped by a drive-by shooting, like just different things like that. And I, I realized that, you know, my community was in danger. And so I that's when I knew like I had something something to do and then always been very politically astute you know my dad jokes and says I wanted to be president when I was in first grade so you could still be president I could I could you know <laughs> I've got a lot of life left that's right but it's just been like the series of events and then like going to the training um a couple two years ago last March actually and um you know meeting Maddie Hunter and her helping me through the process and you know Lauren's support and just all these different opportunities that just came one after another that set me up to uh, run for this particular role. And then um, uh, I remember when I was working with Senator Durbin on the Hill, that was when I knew I wanted to focus local Mm because you can run for office anywhere. But where specifically do you see yourself being the most fruitful? And I knew I wanted to work on local politics. You can really make impact there. I mean, it's nice to go to Washington and be a senator and right. and fight for big issues. Right. But it's another thing where you can actually see the result of your work right in front of you and impact kind right. of everyday people, right? Mm-hmm. So what has been one of the, I don't know, biggest challenges you've faced so far as a candidate for public office? Uh it's um other than lack of sleep (laughs) (laughs) it's trying to be your full self despite what the media is saying about you so there's questions about you know where does nicole get her money and Mm -hmm. nicole got her money from her scholarship donors and nicole got her money from people that she's met professionally and that was a lesson or at coffee shops or at coffee shops yes you are a donor right you know and you know it's just all about that lesson that you learn that's saying about your network is your network and um being able to leverage those relationships and plug people in where they where they can best be used Mm -hmm. and understanding that that's how relationships work. So being able to express that and keep focused on that in the midst of the questions about, um, you know, how down is she? Is she really for the community? She's going to sell us out. And it's like, no, it's it's not that. It's, Knowing what I know about you, that must that must really get under your skin. It, 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 it keeps me up at night. It really does. And, you know, you just kind of, I mean, hey, and then I sit back and I'm like, Beyonce goes through similar issues. So I, I think I'm in good company. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, all you could be is your authentic self. Exactly. And people will either embrace that. Right. You know, or they won't. So, you know, along all these lines, because these are challenges that anyone faces when they run, but I think especially women. So, and I get approached um, a lot and talk to women a lot who are on the fence about whether or not to run. I've coached women to run and sometimes not to run because it's not always um, at the best, you know, time in their life. But what you know now, what's some advice to women who might be listening to this, who are thinking about running and, you know, are on the fence, like what kind of advice could you give them? I thought about this. (laughs) I thought about this and you have to be accustomed to saying no to the no's. 
because you're going to get a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. You're going to get no's from voters. You're going to get no's from donors. You're going to get no's from newspapers. You're going to get no's from your friends. You're going to get no's. That's always the worst. That that would probably also be the other challenge is just like the shift in your relationships that you've had for a long time. And you'll be surprised with people that do come through. Like my eighth guy I haven't seen since eighth grade graduation came into my office last week and started doing phone banking. I'm like, the power of Instagram, right? Um, right. (laughs) But yeah, I I would say that is like, just be persistent and say no to the no's to push through because it's going to be tough. But if you can show your resilience in that, you can, you're definitely going to be battle tested when you're on the Senate floor or when it's really going to, when it's really going to matter. Yeah, don't you think it's made you probably a stronger candidate being able oh, to get God. past that? Absolutely. Like, I, I I, don't even know how I'm here today because <laughs> I thought I was going to snap after February. <laughs> uh, well, you are. I mean, it was a pretty crowded field for 20. Wasn't it like 10 or so candidates? 15 people wow. submitted and um, nine made the ballot. Yeah. So, well, you're here. So that yeah. was like the first like yep. battle. So speaking of all these battles, like, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself after being on the campaign trail because you do learn a lot of things about yourself that you never really have before (laughs) yeah Ooh. what have I learned about myself that that I'm sensitive I'm very sensitive and that's okay you have a really tough exterior you really do which (laughs) you know we all I think women too who have to push to get to where they want you got to have a little bit but you do have a tough exterior I do but you know ask my you know significant other and 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 he'll tell you another story but yeah I'm very sensitive but I know that I'm resilient so I know that there's more to me to pour out so that that's that's the hugest thing and you know I mean also that you care what people think that I really do care what people think and that's important because you want to keep a, a real pulse about what vote, how voters are feeling mm-hmm. and, you know, know when to pivot. But the other piece, too, is that I'm, I'm resilient as well. So if I have to make a tough decision, you know, I know how to bounce back. I know how to head forward, head down and, and push through on it. So let me ask you, because we're coming to a close before we do, I, I do want to be able to tell listeners where they can find you and mm-hmm. get in touch. But like, what is your, like your biggest hope for the city? If you're able to make it to council and the council can look very different mm-hmm. than it does today. And I was going to be a very different day for city hall in general with the new mayor. But like, what do you kind of hope for? I hope that the 20th Ward can be a community, finally a community where you can have a, a, a very thriving black community where you have your working class, you have your middle class, you have your institutions where people play fair. Um, and if they don't, you're able to kind of mitigate the friction between competing stakeholders. That would be ideal because what happens in this community in the 20th Ward is what is going to uh, set precedent for so many other black communities across the city where there is such a huge interest um, for, you know, and in, in heightened sense of for the land grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially during a time when Chicago since 20, 2000 has lost 
over 200,000 African-Americans from the city, mostly to the suburbs and northwest Indiana. Some have gone south. I mean, it's been quite a reverse migration. Yeah, I was in um, I was at a candidate training uh, two Novembers ago and uh, in 2017 and in Minneapolis. And I met a woman and she was from Chicago. She was from the west side. And I said, can you come back home and run city run with city council while I run? She was like, I can't make my money in Chicago. And, you know, she's West Side through and through. And it's and that that would also be my other vision is so that people can return home. You know, just do like a just wave the white flag, do a beacon, be, let Chicago be a beacon of hope to draw people back home because no one really wants to leave Chicago. Right. Chicago's <laughs> the best city ever. Thank and, you. Um, <laughs> and I, I stand on that. But it has I to can't be agree a, more. <laughs> it has to be a city that works for all Everybody. of us. Well, with that said, tell listeners where they can find you online, office numbers, yep. social, so they can help in these last couple of weeks. Yes, we need dollars and door knockers. Head to NicoleJShy.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-J-C-H-I.com. That's my handle on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Nicole J. Shy. Our address is 5517 South Halsted. You can come anytime between 9 and 9 during the week, 10 to 6 during the weekends we've got two weeks two weeks left Mm -hmm. so yep that's it and our number is 773-783-6227 well thank you again to nicole johnson who is a candidate for alderwomen in chicago's 20th ward election day is tuesday april 2nd and early voting is available So vote early, not often. We're trying to change things here in Chicago. Thank you. Uh, But that brings the show to an end today. Um, I'm so glad that you joined us. Thanks for making the time. And get out and vote, people. And thanks for listening. As always, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Thank you again to our sponsor, Evolver, which is Chicago's first creative co-working space for women, and to our podcast host, 1871. The broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton. Thank you, Tweed. Uh, Additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora. Music by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about Sea Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sea Strategies LLC. So come. Let the wind